So I would say like, just to keep it simple, a couple of things. One thing, be as flexible as possible. Like women can figure out a lot of things. And if you give them that flexibility and not be stern, oh, you have to work from nine to five and no flexibility at all, that just limits them, right? As opposed to, and you know, there are some jobs, I get it. There might be some jobs where that's required, but a lot of like more and more not. And COVID helped us to really understand that, right? Where they can... Hello and welcome aboard. Get ready for a new episode here at the Virtual Frontier. Great you found a way back to the show. And if you just joined recently, do yourself a little favor, hit the subscribe button right away so you never miss new episodes. My today's guest is Maggie Perrantin. I found Maggie on Podmatch, and today we are going to talk about female leadership, leadership skills in general, and how to get things done. Maggie is a leadership coach and the founder and CEO of Stairway to Leadership. Her versatile and extraordinary career path stood out to me. With her work that is focused on simplicity, excellence, and courage, she helps other leaders to lay the foundation for creating high-performing teams. Let's see how she is doing that. See you in just a flash on the other side. So, hello, Maggie. Welcome to the Virtual Frontier. Um, really happy to have you here today on the show and um, talk a few about um, female leadership, um, all the topic, working from home, getting things done, um, and, yeah, handling all the workload and uh, the struggles that uh, we all confront uh, s some way or the other. And um, I think you're a great guest uh, to talk about that. Um, But before we start off, maybe you want to give our audience a short introduction of uh, what, what you're doing, uh, from, from where you're coming, what, what is your background, so we have a little bit an idea about uh, who Maggie is. Yeah. Hi, Dano, and hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here having this conversation with you. Um, my name is Maggie Perrotten. I, am, I live in Canada, in Toronto, with my family. We're a blended family with four kids. Now... Not all four live with us all the time, but two <laughs> and two others. My stepboys come in from time to time. I'm originally Polish. I immigrated to Canada in about 2005. I've spent, since I immigrated, I landed a corporate job and I've spent in corporate really up until last year. I grew my career there from really like an entry-level position going up to a director of operations when I had a team of 30 people working for me and we supported actually an operation of 450 people department that spanned across Canada and a little bit in North America. And then since this year, I went full-time in my business that I actually started two and a half years ago while working, while doing an online MBA and raising my younger family. Um, but this is something that I always that I wanted to do. And maybe I will share a story later how it came to be. But this is something I'm excited about. And I decided that this will be you know, my career going forward. So that's a little bit about me. And my business is I'm a business and leadership coach. There you go. I forgot to say that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so we're going to dive all, um, of course, into that uh, uh, later on. But uh, taking a step back, and I ask it always my my podcast guests in, in the recent month, um, what has changed for you um, personally in your work um, since the pandemic has started? Like a lot of things shifted uh, and changed mm -hmm. and we had to adapt. So I'm always asking my guests, like, how, how did you manage that in your personal life and maybe also in your business life? Mm -hmm. What you have maybe learned from, from working with your customers, with your clients um, on their side, what they're struggling with and maybe how they, they are coping with them. Mm -hmm. So definitely a lot changed. Um, I, and, you know, I will say in a moment how it changed, like, mostly to the benefit, but without its challenges. Uh, so having young kids at home during schooling while you're, you know, working a nine to five and trying to run a business and your husband is doing the same, 
especially young ones. Like when uh, online school started in 2022, my, my youngest one wasn't even in grade one. He was in senior kinder- kindergarten, right? So can't read yet fully, can't type like computers, a new thing. So trying to follow their schedule, be in your meetings and do things could be like hair, you know, you wanted to pull your hair from time. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, as the time came, like we've been at it for two years, right? Not all of it online, but as the time went and the kids and my older one adapted much faster, but still had a hard time. There were moments where, you know, they were breaking down or crying and so on. But as the time adapted, they've been better and better. So kids, for us, I think overall, it's been fine. You know, I live in Toronto, big city. And in my nine to five, when that started, I was actually commuting minimum 45 minutes one way or up to an hour. And in winter and snowstorms, sometimes even longer. So I realized very quickly, I think within two weeks, I realized that I was less stressed, that I wasn't like I was so much calmer. And I really think that was that commute, you know, hour and a half, two hours a day running one way, dropping kids at the daycare, making sure you leave on time so you can pick them up from the daycare so they're not like last kids from the daycare or this bad parent picking them up. So it actually, you know, there was some stress with the school and organization, but at the same time, the stress of commute went down. Mm. So what worked for us is really establish the routine and adapt our routine very quickly to what it was. So, you know, starting the kids, getting them up early, getting them out. So we started walking during lunch, getting the kids, whether they wanted or not, didn't matter how whiny they were, they had a break at school, just like they would go outside during school time, we would take them for a little walk. And that always kind of helped to refresh, get some fresh air, you know, uh, lower the tension and continue throughout the day. Um, And for me, it was beneficial because I could work on my business a little bit more (laughs) as well. Because I was, at that time, I was very early in my business. Mm -hmm. So, and I wanted it to be online. So it even pushed me more to dive into more online and stop like sort of thinking about networking in person or whatever. So it gave me like a little bit of additional time of doing that. So overall, it's been beneficial with, you know, with some like, you know, challenges that we sort of overcame with time. You just adapt, I guess, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so then you, you took also the, the, the time spending at, at home right now, right? Like really to get your uh, boost in, in your, in your, uh, yeah, in your own uh, business and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and accelerating more with having more time uh, while not commuting uh, to yeah. the office. It's so funny because I, I hear people, they 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 like to commute because they mm-hmm. have uh, time to think uh, and um, hear podcasts, for example, or mm-hmm. uh, listen to mm-hmm. an audiobook. So they, ta- they take this time to, to, to think about and, and mm-hmm. work things out in the car. And, but other um, yeah, people are like getting more stressed in the traffic and uh, in the commuting. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think it depends really... Um, where where you where are you commuting from in which city um depending on the stress level that the traffic causes you yeah and you know maybe like it was i was listening to audiobooks usually when i was commuting or listening to other podcasts for inspiration or motivation so i didn't feel stress but i really felt the difference when when uh, covid started um within two weeks but like for me it was hard to even think about my business podcast because i like to write things down right and you can drive on a highway like 120 kilometers an hour and try to write things down that's illegal and it kind of costs your life right so so i couldn't really yes i could do a little bit of self-development and kind of listen this but outside of that i like to be have a separate time, sit, think, right? Not be distracted, but also be able to write things down. So yeah, for me, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best use of my time. Yes, I could do a little bit, but not not what I really wanted. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I want to uh, take even a, a step uh, further back and um, ask you, just mentioned in the, in the uh, intro um, that you migrated uh, uh, um, several years ago from, from Poland to, mm-hmm. to Canada. 
And I, I was really wondering, how did you pull through this um, from being a migrant um, from a different country, different context, culture and everything, and then ending um, up in, in a leadership uh, role and um, now, now running really your own uh, online business and coaching business? Um, like, what was the journey and uh, what, what was maybe your motivation on the way to, like, make this, this uh, astonishing accomplishment? Um. For me, the motivation to immigration was really like a dream of having my own house and not just working to eat and pay the bills. That was truly. And, you know, when you're young, when you're young, you have big dreams. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't have anything uh, holding me back. I'm just going to try because the way it worked is I was early I finished my university in Poland. You know, I did speak English. I did speak French. I was advanced. I wasn't as fluent as I am right now, but I'm advanced. You know, I could carry in conversation, understood everything. And at that time, Poland actually wasn't yet in European Union. And I was training to be a public servant. So I had like international relationship on European Union. Um, and when I finished, there wasn't even like a date when we could come in and to the European Union, there were talks and so on, but it was, was still super big. And I started working and the unemployment rate at that time was above 20% in Poland, above 20. It was crazy. And we were, you know, a spike in population, kids of baby boomers, all that fun stuff. And I did have work, you know, I was in a big city, you know, well-educated, whatever. I did have work, but I was making like 400 bucks a month. And it's not like Poland is that much cheaper, right? <laughs> North America, yeah. it's not. So I was like, damn it, like I'm going to work so hard and I'm just going to pay the bills and eat. And then that's it, right? I'm like, there's more to life than this. Like it cannot. So then I found out about Canadian immigration program from a friend. And it's a very structured thing. It's not a lottery like in U.S. that maybe if you enter, you get it, maybe not. It's very structured in a way when there's a point system and you can, even before applying, you can figure out if you have, if you qualify, you have a minimum amount of points to qualify. This is based mm -hmm. on your age, language, education, ability to really adapt, right? And thrive in, a, in the country, which I did. So I applied. And then it lasts, like the process lasts anywhere from a year and a half to three years, depending. But me, like once I decide on something, I'm like dog on the bone. I was reading all the rules and three months later, they were supposed to tell me something they didn't. I was like emailing the embassy saying, you were supposed to tell me this and that and you're not. So maybe that kind of led me to just year and a half. And after that, like you get checked, tested on everything, whatever, you need to have certain amount of savings to immigrate, which was like I was saving anything that I could to be able to have that money because it was like, I think $20,000, which is a huge amount for somebody wow. that's making 400. 400. Yes, yes, yes. How do <laughs> so you do that? <laughs> you know what? I was doing all side jobs. I was teaching kids. Um, okay. I was teaching kids English and French. And like I immigrated with my first husband, my ex-husband. So we were together, right? So okay. like any extra money, even I remember at that time from our wedding, we just wanted money. Like, don't give us anything, give us money so we could like save. Um, and so, so once you do that, you get a permanent residency. So you can immigrate fully legally. And the thought was, hey, if it doesn't work out, we'll come back, right? Like when you have no kids, no mortgage, no nothing, you're so young, it's like traveling for a year or two, right? Like you just take time to travel. For us, it was like, let's just take time to see how it is. And then worst case scenario, we'll come back. Um, so when I landed, I was, you know, in a way, I did have some help and lucky in a sense that I speak English and French. And those languages, if you speak those two languages in Toronto, to find like a decent desk entry level position is not that difficult. Uh, there are there is a always need, and I I say that even from when I became the manager and I needed bilingual people, right, and trying to find them and keep them and so on. It wasn't such an easy task, so I just know how it is. Um, but I 
knew a person who was working for a company who was looking for bilingual agents always. And they sort of asked the hiring manager saying, hey, I have this young girl without Canadian experience because that's sometimes important. Can you, you know, have a look at her resume? And, and, and the, the, the lady who was, you know, hiring, she did. She invited me for the interviews. I went through a bunch of interviews and I got in. Like I got the job, right? And from there, um, she was really actually my great mentor who taught me a lot about how to lead and develop people along the lines as we were working together, as she was seeing that I was willing, eager, wanted to work hard and wanted to grow. Um, that really like created a foundation for me and my leadership position. And, you know, for that, I will always be forever grateful. We sort of became those mentor friends where she's like my Canadian mom, right? Like I always tell her, you're like my Canadian mom. So kind of took me under her wing believed in me when I, maybe my confidence was low in, a, as you say, a new country, you've never been there. You don't, the stores are even different. Everything is different, right? Yeah. So your confidence sort of tanks a little bit, at least in my case, it did. Mm, and and so. she believed in me. And through that, I latched onto that belief and kind of, you know, wanted to be the best I can even for her and not to disappoint her. And that got me, you know, grow my confidence, move into the corporate career and so on. Awesome story. I, I can, I can really, uh, yeah, go, go along with that as, as I, uh, migrated. So, for, so, uh, say from, from Germany to Mexico and like all this process and what you just mentioned about like feeling this, like, uh, am, am I really doing the right thing here? <laughs> am, I, am I still on the right track? But, And also having like in mind, okay, you're still young. If it's not working out, you're going like, you can go backward whenever the time is uh, mm. um, um, yeah, right for that or even not. And, um, but, but I think uh, what, what this does also with you is like this changing, while well, we're getting off topic here, but now I'm talking about migrating um, <laughs> to different countries, but like this helps you also, also like really to, to see things from a different perspective, learn a new culture. Um, and, and what you just mentioned this process, right? That you're in a new country, mm -hmm. you have to prove yourself, you have to prove it to, to different, maybe different people, um, that, that, that this is something worthwhile. And, um, this, this helps really like to push things forward. At least it was from, from my case, the, um, the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely builds your resilience, right? Because yeah. you are in such a new environment, you're completely out of your comfort zone, right? You have new, as you say, new language. New And it's not like, yes, okay, you speak it, but you don't, you're not in it before 24-7, right? Here you're 24-7. People think differently. They react differently. Like I remember <laughs> in the beginning, you know, we Polish people, and you might know that, Daniel, but like we're pretty straightforward, right? And it's not like we're not nice and kind. We just like say it as it is, right? Get it all. In Canada, sure. that's not the case, right? No. <laughs> so I remember speaking in English and telling something or explaining to a person. And I saw the reaction like, oh my God, what did she just tell me? So even learning from people's reactions, the way I communicate, that was a learning curve, especially here in Canada. Mm. Like not that Canadians beat around the bush, but they are very polite, very respectful, very, there isn't that direct, like, I don't care how you feel. I'm just going to say it like Polish people do. And that was, yeah. and especially as growing in the leadership positions, that was like, I think one of the great skills that I started developing right off because I do care about how people react to what I say. I want them to receive the message and not shut down, right? Just because of the way I'm saying it. Um, so, yeah, but I remember like, you know, saying things and people were like, oh my God, <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> like you can see from their, from their reaction and learning from that. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, not so much similarities I can remember now. <laughs> um, so after you worked uh, in, in different roles, um, you got really like into uh, a senior leadership uh, role and uh, working working in a big company. Um, but then you decided at some point, um, well, mm -hmm. I'm gonna redefine myself and, and start starting uh, own business. Um, what what caused this uh, um, a change or this desire to to become your own business owner and mm -hmm. uh, how you manage maybe the first step forward? Mm -hmm. 
So that really came through a burnout experience in the corporate world that got me paused and think. And, and it came about four years ago. I was in a middle manager position and it was just, it was situational. So it wasn't like a systemic thing that I was just working myself and at some point burnt out. It was situational when the company's executives at the time made some decisions, agreed to some huge new contracts that I don't think the company was ready, or at least our department wasn't ready. And we were on the delivery side of that. And on top of it, because the contracts were very kind of like, let's just get in the market, right? With some, and even if we lose money, that's okay. But that that led to, oh, you have to deliver that without any help, right? And you have three months to do both (laughs) or whatever it was. And what it ended up is no matter how hard we worked, whether it was pretty much seven days a week, nonstop, 15 hours days, no time for kids, no time for anything, it wasn't enough. We were failing. The client wasn't happy. So the days became like you knew you were set up to fail. You were dreading the meetings because you knew no matter what you did, you're going to be beaten up. And I found myself in a position when, you know, like I can work hard. I can work like a horse. No problem. As long as I see the light in the tunnel and I see there is that there is something there an outcome from my work, right? And that I can get there and there's progress. And here you are in a situation where there was no light in the tunnel, no matter what you did, nobody was happy. So at some point, A, you feel hopeless, helpless. You feel paralyzed. Oh my God, like if I touch this, the bomb will explode. If I touch this, another bomb will explode. Like, (laughs) well, let me just sit and stare at the screen and do nothing. And... At the same time, I'm a Sagittarius, so I like to be free and I felt cornered. And that like freaked me out. Like I remember one day I said like, it has to stop. Like I can't go on like this. So I was looking for another job at the same time, but it got me thinking, well, you know, you like to grow, you like to be challenged professionally, but you have no control whether that situation will repeat itself or not. You have another 30 years or so to work if you work for somebody else. And whether it's this company or a different company, like you have no control over those things, right? So, and then you also are at the stage where I was at the stage where I was finding myself at the stage where I was faced with having to implement somebody's decisions that I didn't agree with. I saw the flaws into in it. I had ideas how we could have prevented or how we could have done, and I could do nothing about it, right? And I was like, no, like I'm done. I'm at the moment in my life where I want to make my own decisions and whether they're perfect or not, but they're my own and I want to live my own consequences of it. And at the same time, I want to create a career for myself where I have balance, where I have time for my kids and for my family, because it's equally important, if not more, right? So that was kind of the thought that led me to start my coaching business. You know, the why coaching business is just throughout my career, corporate career, I realized that I really loved coaching and developing people. That was always my favorite part of any position I had. I loved seeing how my employees were growing in their careers, how they felt fulfilled, you know, like they were rising and really showing how great they are. And just an experience in business. And I actually love business. I think it's fun. You know, you can solution. I think that's my creative side. Like I'm not an artist, but I like creating solutions and kind of like solving puzzles, things like that. Right. And business has that. So that's sort of how I started. But the first steps was I was super scared, right? Like I was like, okay, that's great. But you've never run a business. Like you've never even considered before being an entrepreneur. So I started, that's why I started on the side. Because I thought like, okay, let me just take a first step, try and see where it takes me to prove myself if I could do it. And as I started doing it, and that was for about two and a half years, I was like, at the same time, I also signed up for an executive MBA because this is something I always wanted to do. It was like my dream kind of bucket list. I love to learn, right? 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, I will sign up so I can apply that knowledge to my work and my business. But as I was doing it and, you know, started signing clients and realized, oh my God, I love it. Like, this is what I want to do. I, again, is that with confidence, right? You start to have zero confidence, but then as you actually do things and you start seeing results, and it doesn't mean that there's no ups and downs and you don't doubt yourself throughout, you do. It's not easy, right, to, to start that. But as you start seeing some progress, I grew enough confidence at some point to say, you know what, I can figure this out. If I focus on it full time, just that and school was done and, you know, the, the, the corporate career was like, if I can focus on it full time, I'll figure it out. And that's sort of how, you know, I got where I am now. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Um, what, what you were uh, talking about, uh, yeah, becoming and, uh, this, this, um, or growing into this, uh, new role and, and, and the developing, uh, yourself and, I, I think this is always really important, like just uh, make the first steps and, and see how it works out, right? But mm-hmm. especially, especially I've, oh, well, I, this is my perception, maybe this, I, I'm wrong, but you, you can, you can uh, enlighten me on that. Um, like, especially like with women or female uh, um, leaders, they, they, they have more difficulty, maybe also with the background, the family and everything, like to make this first step and say, okay, I, I'm going to go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because, um, yeah, I, I want to, I want to become a different person and I want to grow personally. And like also, also working always in this male dominated, uh, uh mm-hmm. environments where, where things are just like ticking different. So, um, do you have like learnings or, or maybe some hints and tips, like how you can like confront those, those, uh, hurdles or, or. Um, obstacles in the first place, maybe also in the mindset, um, mm-hmm. as we are always uh, in all, um, like most of us are uh, like, uh, yeah, combating with this uh, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. uh, some, some, some time at least. And uh, like, yeah. how, how, how get things moving? Yeah, we all do. We all do. And I think like you're right with women. And I've seen it. I'm, I don't want to generalize, but many women, I've seen it in me and I've seen it in my, you know, team members that were female is that we want to be ready almost 100% of the time, 100% before we try to apply for another job or career. Like I remember even when I was applying or trying to apply new positions, I was like, oh, you know, like I don't have every single thing that they want. Therefore, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't apply. And that's, that's proven uh, by... By research, right? That men are more like, oh, yeah, 50%, 30%, sure, I can apply, I'll figure out it later. Whereas for us, it takes much more almost courage. We have to push ourselves even more to be like, oh, you know, I'm ready 80%. Maybe I should try and apply. And it's, it is a difference. For me, what worked in both scenarios was one that I don't like boredom. I don't. So the moment in um, a position became more of a kind of like something that I know or 80% of what I know and only 20% knew, I was being anxious. Like I was like, ha, ah, I'm getting bored. I need something new. And that was pushing me to look for. I still had those thoughts like, oh, this position, I'm not ready. This position, I'm not ready. But I just kept looking until I sort of found something that, you know, was... I was excited for and I kind of matched whatever level I thought I should match, right? To just move. Um, but what, work, what works for my business is that coming back, so whenever you feel the imposter syndrome and whenever you feel like I can do this, instead of letting your brain go there, moving your brain to what I have already learned and figured out in my life that was difficult, that I didn't think I could, and yet I did. And reminding yourself how resourceful you are and that you can learn pretty much any skill, right? Because no matter what you do and running a business is truly just a skill. So if you learn how to ride a bike, you can learn how to ski as well. As opposed to thinking like imposter syndrome is that, okay, I can't learn how to ski. It doesn't matter that I learned how to bike, but it's so new that I never can do that, right? I'm not good at it and I'm supposed to how magically know how to do it. 
right? Whereas in reality, and that's, we just need to remember that, that we can learn anything. It's just a skill. So if I did learn how to bike, I can learn how to ski. I just need to be willing to suck at it in the, more, in the beginning. Right? I just need yep. to be willing to take that first step and feel those negative emotions because they're normal. It's part of it. I was just reminding that myself yesterday, just for like, I'm not immune to that. Remind that I just need to be willing to feel that negative emotion and s- suck at that so I can continue and learn better. That can just get better, right? We cannot just learn anything just from reading books. Yes, they help us to start, but it will still not be good in any skill in the beginning. We were not going to become masters just from reading a book. We have to try. We have to take the first steps and we need to improve and keep going from there. No. And I just read uh, yesterday an article about this imposter syndrome uh, out of the context of our podcast, but it was interesting, like um, the aspect, like embracing the imposter uh, syndrome, if, if you call it a, a syndrome at all, um, mm-hmm. because it's just it's just your mind, like rem- mm-hmm. remembering you that you are um, that you're on the right path. You know, you, you're mm-hmm. doing things that are not you're yeah. not still in mastery, and it's just like a reminder. Okay, this is there. There's still something you need to work on. Right, mm-hmm. so don't be afraid of that. Uh, just like embrace it and 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 do it, and then you, yeah, you get over yeah. it probably yeah. sometimes. And also like valuing, like valuing you and the experience that you have and the perspective that you have that it's different. And for me, that helped me, for example, in my corporate career because you're right, I was in the in the industry that, or even in the company that was male dominated, especially in the higher level positions. So up to like junior level and junior managers, there was more and more women. And now there's more and more women. But the moment, like as a director, I definitely found myself in meetings only with men and I was the only woman. And most of them were either engineers or in finance and I'm neither. Okay. Like I'm not an engineer. (laughs) No, no, fine. I liked math in school, but you know, I'm not an engineer. So, but at the same time, what I started noticing is, and I had gone to that, that when we have only like one, one profession or one thing, it becomes the group thing, right? Like engineers think similarly and finance people think similarly. So I started saying, no, I'm the person they need because I have a different perspective. I'm bringing that you know, I like to, I like, I like to thought that human aspect of, of the business of employees. And I was, I am passionate about leadership and leading people and so on, especially that we are in a service business, right? So we can't forget that behind the numbers and behind the systems or whatever engineers, the HVAC, because it was facility management, there's human beings delivering that services. And thanks to those human beings who are successful, right? So I always thought like, no, I have a value to offer because I was thinking that was my first thought. Not that the other people didn't think about it, but their first thinking was maybe more kind of like logical brain oriented, whereas my first thinking was that a human centered, you know, way. So. Yeah. I would like to ask you a little bit about... Um your coaching model and maybe just to getting off um, in, in this, this topic is like in our hectic and chaotic world, it's like important to make space uh, for us to think, you know, like you're stepping back and as you just mentioned in the entrance, like pause and then think mm-hmm. uh, about what mm-hmm. you're doing. How, how do you make space for, for that in this uh, chaotic environment that we are all uh, finding ourselves some, some way? Okay, yeah. So I'll talk about that and then my coaching model because it does sort of involve that thinking. But for me, I actually purposefully create time and set aside time to think. And whether it's from my morning routine, I have a morning routine that actually expanded with COVID. That's also one thing that it was beneficial where I created like I had more time in the morning and I could expand a little bit of my morning routine where I do have time to think or to journal and so on. And even in my business now, because, you know, I do think about my clients, how can I get them faster results? Or how can I explain certain concepts in an easier way or simpler way so they understand and they can implement it better? And I need time to think. So I actually block time 
for that throughout the week. Um, but so my model, my coaching model, I call it dream plan do. And the planning part is that to think, because very often, like I work with entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and so on. So, and some of them are creative. So they have like million ideas a second, which is amazing. <laughs> but hmm. one, one kind of pitiful to that is they dream. So they have an idea, they're excited about it. And, but then they want to go straight to doing, right? I have an idea, poof, I want to implement. But what happens is when you do that right away, you actually create roadblocks for yourself that don't have to be there. It takes you much longer to implement it because you didn't think through, you know, what could happen or how can I, would do I need even to implement it? So it sometimes you lose not only time, but you can lose money. You're creating a lot of frustration for yourself. And some people even quit down the line, right? As opposed to, I have an idea. I overcome the imposter syndrome, right? I believe in the possibility of that. So I do teach my clients some mindset tools and, and, and the way to kind of manage that. But I believe in my possibility. And now I'm taking some time aside to plan it out. And depending on the idea, it doesn't have to be long. It can be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be like three-day thinking, right? It could be just a little bit of time to say, okay, what do I need to implement it? You know, maybe there's some technology, maybe there's some skills, maybe it's a bigger idea, maybe there's some skills that I truly need to learn, even some basics, right? Some research, whatever. What, what, what do I think will take? But what are some things that could go wrong? And it's not for me to get disengaged or like, you know, stop believing in it and not do it at all, but to get prepared. Okay, so if that happens, even if it's only 50% chance, what would I do? So then if it does, I already have a plan and I'm not scared and my brain doesn't keep thinking about it and I don't give up, right? And then I implement. So the dream plan do is that, like, I have an idea, I plan it in a simple way, and then I implement it. And then I learn from that implementation, I readjust as needed, and I go in like circle again. So. Okay. You just uh, mentioned um, uh, before, like uh, that you struggled in in while while you were working in the corporate environment, uh, like with burnout and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what what have you? What tactics you have implemented um, since you got out of that? Um, mm -hmm. So you stay out of the burnout and um, mm -hmm. like keeping keeping things in order and and your mind mind clear and, and focused. Mm -hmm. So. I, yeah. So during that time, actually, one of the things that I did, because I was like, I have to do something, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm not getting help and so on. I need to do something for me. I actually signed up for some high performance coaching and that like changed my life. Also, that allowed me to get out of the burnout, do my business, do my school and so on and do it without the burnout and actually not stress at all and so on. So the things that I do is I really set, learned how to set boundaries and say no. That was in my corporate role of not letting myself to be stressed out by people trying to get me in four meetings at the same time and start saying no to certain meetings and start prioritizing the work that I needed to do, blocking the time. So for example, time blocking, like planning ahead was one of the, you know, one of the habits that I developed that I use now um, to be able to say like, okay, if you really need me, then book it at the time when I'm available, right? Or I can be in four places at the same time. I can only be in one. Which one do I go to? And not stressing out that I cannot go to the others, right? Like also being able to manage your brain in a way where you okay, there's only so much I can do and I'm not going to stress out over the things I just can't do, right? I'm just going to manage and say no and set expectations and so on. So saying no, setting boundaries, setting the expectations, communicating, not just like, you know, ignoring. how do you say, boiling inside and ignoring people, but yeah. communicating and people. And the thing is that people usually are understanding, right? Nobody expects you to be in the same play in this the three places at the same time it's just that communication right and then 
starting to prioritize self-care and time for myself where I do have time to ground myself and and kind of like just fill the cup, right? Because like as women and as mothers, and especially me, I wasn't even on the list before that, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we're down there on the list. We never get to ourselves. I, I just wasn't in the list. Like I considered self-care selfish. Like, what do you mean? I have to take care of my kids and I have to take care of the house and I have this important work to do and so on. But what I realized, if I don't, that's what happens. You burned out. It doesn't have to be five hours a day, but even if it's 20 minutes a day, when you have time for you to ground yourself, you know, I implemented good, like the habits of like breathing a little bit or meditating or stretching or whatever. You can pray, whatever it is, go for a walk. It's such important. And that time, it's really an investment in yourself and in how much you can accomplish all day, how well you feel. Because the better you feel, the more you can do. And whatever that means, right? In personal life or professional life, you can be more present with your family. You can really use quality time and not keep thinking about the business or what you have to do, right? And you can be more effective in your, in your business, in your role. So then you don't have to keep thinking because like, yeah, I have everything planned. I know what I'm doing. You know, I know when. I don't need to think about it when I'm with my family. So those were the, I guess, key things that I started implementing. And over the years, they grew to those habits that, you know, today, it's just, it's amazing how your life can change, how less stressed you be. And yeah, you don't burn out, even though you're more effective and you actually accomplish more. Yeah. Well, they have become good habits. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. um, and and, and I, I think I read uh, that somewhere in the preparation uh, um, on your side, uh, that's also like them becoming, like getting getting off uh, or uh, getting rid of like the bad habits and like starting slowly, slowly by implementing yes. new habits and like fostering them, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because really, it's just you can start with one thing, the easiest, the smallest thing, whether it's a walk, whether it's ten minutes, just if you don't meditate, just sitting in silence and breathing or really four breaths a day. If you actually take four deep breaths in the morning without looking at your phone, that's huge. Like you have no, you have no idea how much that can change the way you feel throughout the day, that 30 seconds of taking four deep breaths and yeah. grounding yourself and then building on that. Because when I started it, it wasn't like I didn't have all those habits that I have now because it's been four even six years, because two years before that, I kind of discovered a bit of meditation and I wanted to do something just to be more patient with my kids and not be as stressed out. But that I was doing it really like up and down, very rare. And then when I burned out, I kind of took it more seriously. Uh, so it took me that much. But even those little things that I, when I started were making a huge difference and that's what kept me going. Because I saw the difference it makes in the very little things that I was doing. No. As a good chunk of our audience comes like from Germany and the European uh, uh, countries, um, well, as uh, you're from Poland, you, you might can relate it, uh, to that somehow. Um, like we really love to plan everything and make things or overcomplicate things where it often is not needed. And one thing, or uh, one value and uh, thing that you are really working with is on the simplicity, making yeah. things just like as simple as possible. Um, h- how you do that or what that means in the first place um, when you think about it? I love simplicity. I think life is simple. I think business is simple. We just as human beings, you're right. <laughs> We just like to overcomplicate things. And this is how our brain works. But what I believe in, when we overcomplicate, we actually, that's what stresses us out. And that's what stops us in our track. Like, think about it, like, even when you have a closet or when you move to a new house, right? Like, you're brand new, you're young, you don't have anything, you buy a house. And then, like, over time, it's just, like, clatters with stuff Mm. or even the closet, right? You have to clean it out from time to time because otherwise mentally, like it just bugs you. And it's the same with our brain or with business. Things just have this tendency of clattering and so on. And it, 
contrary to what people think, it makes us less effective. We accomplish less. We're stressed. We're not reaching our full potential. Keeping things simple, it's actually not easy. So simple doesn't mean easy. People think simple is actually more difficult because it requires to like get your brain to think differently, not in a way, like natural way that it just then, you know, goes on tangents, but keep your brain in check to things differently and really think through things to say, okay, how can I simplify? How can I make it the easiest possible for me to implement? And the whole idea is that when you keep things simple, you can be consistent with them. You can be, you know, like, especially in your business, right? When we're entrepreneurs, we have our personal life and nobody's life is perfect. Things happen. And when we try to run our business and plan for like a perfect day happening every day, that's not sustainable. Like life will happen. So then you will be behind and you will get stressed because you're behind and so on, right? So keeping things the simplest possible and not planning for a perfect day, but planning for things to happen and accounting for it allows you to be consistent. And from that, benefit from the compound effect of that consistency. Just like good habits, they compound the benefits compound over time. Even if you just do one thing, let's just say like, you start walking because you want to have more, you know, you want to be active, but then you get oxygenated more. So your brain functions better. So you actually come up with better ideas for your business and so on. And then you feel better overall. You're more productive. You can focus. So there's so many benefits just for that one thing that you didn't even think about. And it's the same with simplicity. When you keep things simple, you have room to also think about other stuff and be consistent and benefit from it. And you know, like there's this great book by a leadership book by Joko Welnick, uh, Extreme Ownership. Oh, Him yeah, and yeah. another guy, yeah, they were like, they were uh, Navy SEALs, um, yes. you know, commanders or whatever, some officers and Navy SEALs. And they went into business consulting and they bring the Navy, some of the rules from Navy SEALs into business. And one of them is simplicity. Like, why do, you know, in, in Navy SEALs or whatever, they keep plans of the battle, whatever mission, where they go simple? Because when the soldiers get out there and anxiety is high and fear and everything is crazy around them, if those plans were difficult, nobody will remember them. Like, it would be a chaos in the mission, right? When they're very simple, the soldiers can, like, follow it. And it's similar in business or in life. When life happens, it's hard to follow something complex. Yeah. No, and especially like in the combat, as you mentioned uh, with, with Joko, um, that, that you, you might plan something and it turns out completely differently. So if <laughs> yeah. a, a, a simpler your plan is, you, uh, even uh, your uh, ability to adapt to new circumstances is also exactly. better. Right? Instead of like pulling out this big plan, <laughs> uh, what we have done in a combat situation and then, uh, okay, you're fucked, uh, whatever, we need to adapt now and that's not possible in this uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's so much easier to adapt. And that's the thing. Like, it's so much easier to think, okay, well, I was supposed to do this. That's not working anymore. Okay, well, let me do this instead. As opposed to where was I? <laughs> this yeah. complex thing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you something um, um, like giving out an advice or like, um, yeah, for for male business owners that are having, uh, uh, they're working with uh, female uh, leadership uh, uh, roles or they have, mm -hmm. have uh, females in leadership roles, how can they really foster those uh, um, persons in their personality and, and helping them like really to succeed in business and like taking also like care of their like things that are important to them that they maybe from their male per perspective, they're not thinking about that. So um, mm -hmm. What could be there? Um, uh, some some hints and information. What uh, we can take care of, um, especially like just um, think about um, this whole situation with the pandemic. Like as, as so many um, mothers have uh, like to pull like double shifts, uh, having on the one side uh, um, mm -hmm. to manage the household, the kids are, are around. Mm -hmm. uh, as you just mentioned from your own experience. Um, having kids at home and making coaching on the other side, uh, like how they're they're different settings that maybe as a as a male leader 
you're not or a business owner you're not like really aware of right and and like mm. how can we like have giving like women uh, empower them like in a, in a in a good way um mm. so they can succeed in their roles um mm -hmm. and make a make a difference in business so i would say like just to keep it simple cup couple of things one thing be as flexible as possible like women can figure out a lot of things and if you give them that flexibility and not be stern oh you have to work from nine to five and no flexibility at all that just limits them right as opposed to and you know there are some jobs i get it there might be some jobs where that's required but a lot of like more and more not and covid helped us to really understand that right where they can have a flexibility to, oh, I can drop my kid at, home, at school and then I will work and then I'll pick him up and then I'll work. Like having that flexibility is huge already. And then the second thing is know your employees, not just women, but know what, what, what they love and so on. And don't wait always for them to come to you and ask for opportunities. And it's not because they don't want to. And yes, I guess I'm totally for everybody's responsible for their career. But a lot of them just don't believe in themselves enough to just put their head out there. And they're more capable than anybody else in your environment. So offer them opportunities. When you feel that they're, that's the good opportunity for them, put it forward for them. Just offer them and let them decide and believe in them. And you will be surprised how amazing they can be. Because that was also like in the beginning of my career, that having that, you know, my mom, Canadian mom being my manager, it helped me a lot because she believed in me. She was the one sometimes telling me, you can do this, go and do it. Okay. And giving me even a raise that I didn't have to ask for because I was too scared to do it. Right. And that kind of like wanted, again, that drove me to do even better and not disappoint her and, and be whatever to... And it took me years to be at the point where, you know what, I deserve that raise. I'm going to ask for it. In the beginning, I would have never thought about it, but I wanted it, right? So if she wasn't doing it, maybe I would have left for another mm. company because I was just too scared to ask for an opportunity and so on. And yeah, could I not be? Yeah, but I didn't know how to deal with it in the beginning, right? I learned it. So just presenting them with opportunities and showing that you appreciate them and that, you know, giving them even that, giving them, if you feel that they're great, giving them raises without them having asking for it, you have no idea how far that can go. No, not that's a valuable advice. Mm, to round it up from my side, um, Maggie, I, I would like to ask you, um, on the other side, uh, I, I see there are a lot of young, uh, it's not just women, but uh, um, also um, like a lot of young people, they are like entering right now, like the, cal uh, like the career path and everything. Mm -hmm. And they have like this tension between, okay, what should I go for, right? I have like this on, the other, uh, on one side, uh, my, my career path, uh, but on the other side is life. Let's put it like blunt and great. Um, so, and there's like this tension between what, what, what should I go for? And I think you, you're a great person because you somehow combined it. You have a family, um, you are, you're, you have a coaching business right now. And like with, uh, yeah, all this, all the circumstances, I think you can give uh, some valuable advice, how to like mingle that and, and get the balance right. Well, that's, you know, I know it's, and it's, I'm not saying it's easy. It's difficult, but understanding what you want out of your career, right? Like really, and not even now, but down the line. Sometimes it's good to take, go take a position, for example, to learn certain skills that you know you can use down the line because maybe you want to open your business down the line, but you're not ready yet, right? So where can you go to learn the skills that will help you open that business, right? Or if I want to be in people leadership or project management, whatever, right? We're, what is the position that I feel comfortable in that maybe doesn't require me to work nonstop and so on because I have this personal life and it's important to me and so on, but I can at least learn the skills that will get me there and closer. And then also, 
you know, understanding what's important for you in a personal life. And yeah, and being upfront about the boundaries. Of course, if you're going for a full-time position, your employer will want you to work a certain amount of hours. They will not want you like, oh yeah, you can work two hours, we'll pay you full-time position and then you can go and live whatever, right? Yeah, that's not going to happen. So you do need to be realistic with your expectation. But at the same time, you can and you should create boundaries, especially if they're there will be imbalance, right, in one area. So let's say you went into a work and you are, you know, you were clear on what the requirements and so on, and that's changing and you're not comfortable with it. It's okay to say that. Like, it's okay to say, you know what? I can't work 12-hour days nonstop, right? Can I add a little bit of time from time to time on a project? And when you really need me, yes you know, your choice, but let's just say yes, but it cannot be every day, right? I have a personal life that's important to me because I really think that when we communicate that, people understand and that's how we shift the culture and that's how we shift how the companies also think about their employees and so on. And truly, like we have the great resignation going on and that's a little bit what it is, right? The employees are starting saying, No, like, we're not slaves. It's important, even for our productivity, for our innovation and so on, to have that balance. And we want that balance. And if we do that, then it will shift. I truly believe it will. Companies will not have, like, to attract the best talents. They already have to change. And it will change. It's changing now. And and what I'm taking from that is... uh, um, also like not having always or you don't have to be always like prepared for the next 10 12 or 20 years in your career like making this this small packages you know what what you really want uh, today and mm-hmm. in, in maybe in one year what skills you may what uh, mm-hmm. want to work on um just to getting prepared for what may come in the future right and, mm-hmm. and not like thinking about the future in 20 years where we're gonna be in which uh, a road mm-hmm. um because when i think about that uh, or I think about back uh, in uh, 10 years, I wouldn't have imagined uh, what I'm doing today. So, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but, but, but I got prepared in some 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 way uh, for, for that yeah. uh, during this, never knowing about where we're going to end up. And maybe yeah. um, that is going to change in 10 years uh, again, uh, fully 360 degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You And you never know. And there's no point trying to predict it. Like, unless you're in such a mission, I want to be a doctor. That's always when I want it to be and so on. And that's... and. That's could even still take you somewhere else. You never know. So really picking a what you love. Like I was always big in having a job that I enjoy most of the time. And if I couldn't say, I would leave. I would never stay in a job that I was like, oh my God, it's a dead end job. I hate it, but I'm going to do because I have no choice. No, you always have a choice. And and that's, you know, what kept me in the facility management industry because it is an interesting industry. There's always changing and I like that. And then I was able to do different positions, very different positions. And that's what kept me, right? So like making sure that, yes, learning the skills that you want to learn, but also doing what you love and going after positions, not necessarily for money and so on. Yes, money is important, but at some point it just doesn't matter, right? The extra hundred bucks here and there. Um, but for doing what you enjoy. And, and that will, as you say, Daniel, that will take you or you'll learn the skills and that will take you to the next levels in your life. And you might be in 20 years saying, oh my God, like I would have never thought that I would be doing that. I would have never mm-hmm. thought that I would have a coaching business, you know, starting in Canada in 2005. Becky, any closing words or thought, um, maybe some advice that you want to give out to uh, our audience and then do, I would say we wrap it up for today. Yeah, I, you know what? I would say, since we talked a little, a lot about habits and COVID and so on, I would say mm-hmm. the power of small good habits is huge. And you don't realize that until you start. And you can start simple and easy, but implementing small good habits in your life and replacing 
getting out the bad ones that you don't even know you have, like, I don't know, vegging in front of TV for three hours at a time every day without really thinking about it, um, will have monumental positive effects in your life. And I'm super passionate about it, but I would say this. And if you don't know where to start, start with four deep breaths a day. And I think in extreme ownership, they talk about the breathing because that's what like Navy SEALs do, like when they're anxious, they take four deep breaths. Uh, So even if you start with that first thing in the morning, not look at the phone, but do that, you will see huge difference. So that's what I would encourage everybody to do. (laughs) Yeah, I I can agree with that completely and encourage it also. Small habits will make the difference in the long run. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. thank you very much for your time and all the input I very much appreciate it and I hope uh, we can speak soon again on the podcast yeah awesome thank you Daniel thank you for having me I would definitely be happy to be back <laughs> yeah sure Thanks. take care bye 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 back we are for a mind opening trip into Maggie's world of work if you want to learn more about Maggie's work and approach in coaching visit her website and follow her on LinkedIn find all the info in the show notes below We hope you found this session helpful and you have now some new tools and insights on how to create better workplaces for the future. What have you missed in this episode? How can we do better? Let us know in the comments and reviews. And as always, before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give a thumb up and share this episode around with your friends and colleagues. Your action helps us to grow this show and keep you informed and updated on trending topics about the future of work. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening today. So until the next episode, keep exploring those new frontiers.